We wish to acknowledge the traditional caretakers of the land we record this podcast on, the Yuggera people and their continued connection to the land and waterways of Yuggera country. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Hello and welcome to the Sports Social, bringing you sports chats for everybody. And Libby is still on maternity leave. You might have seen that she's had a beautiful little boy, Alfie Sunny Trickett. Uh, He was born a couple of weeks ago now. He's just divine and by far the easiest baby I think Libby's ever had. He's just sleeping and eating and just enjoying being home with his three big sisters. So we miss her very much, but she's in a gorgeous baby bubble at the moment. And meanwhile, for us, we're going to do some more sports shorts because there are lots of great people out there that we would like to chat to and bring you their stories. And for today, that person is Geordie Duncan. She is Australia's pool freediving champion for 2023 and 2022. She can hold her breath for over six minutes under the water, which blows my mind. And she's joining us today. Welcome, Geordie. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. I am just fascinated by this world of free diving. And to be honest, I'd only really ever thought about free diving from a, an open water perspective. I'd never actually appreciated it that it was something that you could do in a pool environment. Before we get any further, can you explain what your form of free diving is and how it's become a sport for you? So depth free diving is in the ocean. You're going down as far as you can. Pool free diving is um, horizontal. So as many laps of a 50 meter or a 25 meter pool, depending on the discipline on one breath. So there's three, we call the moving disciplines, dynamic disciplines. So there's a dynamic with a monofin, like the big mermaid tail. Uh, dynamic with bifins, so two long fins. And then there's a dynamic no fins, which is like a modified breaststroke underwater. And so these are all, it doesn't matter how fast or how slow you go, it's just as many laps as you can. And then the fourth discipline is static apnea. And that's the one where it's for breath hold time. So you're actually floating on the surface of the water, facing down, holding your breath for time. So it's not a super exciting uh, spectator sport for the most part. <laughs> when it comes to these events where you're moving and you're doing laps, are you then measured for how long you've stayed underwater or how far you've gone? It's just distance. Wow. So you've got to find the sweet spot between, you know, obviously the faster you go, you can cover more distance quickly, but then you're burning more oxygen and using more energy. So yeah, it's a, it's a balance. So can you tell me, how did you get into this sport? Because I don't know many people who wake up and go, do you know what? I am a pool freediver. That's what I've always wanted to do. How did you discover yeah. it? Yes. Yeah, so I had no idea. I'd never heard of freediving three years ago. I'm an ex-swimmer as well, um, long time ago and spent 15 years out of the water. And then I'd just taken a scuba diving course just after my 30th birthday. And then I went on a date with a guy and he's a freediving instructor. And I was chatting about swimming background and just done a scuba course. And he said, well, you should give freediving a try. It's like scuba, but you don't have all the equipment, like all the heavy tanks and everything like that. So I was like, oh, what's this thing? Like, I'll give it a go. I'm up for anything. And I went and did my um, like level one freediver course. So you do the first day is a pool day. And then the second day is in the ocean. And I just 
I absolutely loved it. I just, and I think definitely the swimming background helped me to be at quite a good starting level. And then I just started looking into whether there were any clubs here in Brisbane and there's two um, and you can be a member of both so that you have more training options. And I just, I started training and I progressed pretty quickly, I guess. Can we talk about something that I've heard of when people are learning to control their breath underwater? Specifically, I've heard of it from a surfing perspective where people are training so that if they get trapped underwater, they can relax, they can make their way back up to the surface without panicking. And one of the things that those people have spoken to me about is the mammalian response. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So the mammalian dive reflex or dive response, there's a few different parts within the body that have a reaction when you enter the water and your body, it knows that it's underwater and it involves your spleen and also vasoconstriction of your blood vessels. So this is where your body, it knows which parts of your body, for example, your limbs are non-essential. Um, So it'll restrict the blood flow to those parts of the body and organ and focus it on the heart and the brain. And so if you get to a point where you're basically at your limit holding your breath underwater, um, your body will black out. And this is not like a concussion where you get knocked out, but it's literally you've, you've only got this much oxygen left and your body knows it needs to conserve it for your, your brain and your vitals, your heart. So it'll kind of switch off everything else. And, and it's basically, it's like taking a nap. It's not an unpleasant feeling. Um, a lot of the time it only lasts a second or two and then like as long as you're above the water um, you just kind of wake up and you may not even know that you've blacked out you might just return to what you were doing the two seconds prior but that's why the number one rule in free diving is to never dive alone because if you are on your own and you black out and we wear weights to keep us mutually buoyant if you haven't got someone to bring you up and you don't wake up then you can sink and that's yeah not nice things happen, yeah. So does it take a long time when you're training? How how do you build that lung capacity? Like if I was to get in the water and try and free dive, I would be back up in 30 seconds. But like I said before, you can now last in the water for over six minutes. How have you built that lung capacity or that capacity, I should say, to stay under the water for so long? I think a key element is relaxation. So obviously if you're not doing it regularly and you go and do it for the first time, it's a very foreign, uncomfortable sensation. And, you you know, breathing is a natural thing and you know that you need to breathe to live. But if you can learn to relax and the urge to breathe that people talk about, it doesn't mean that you're low in oxygen. It means that carbon dioxide is building up. And that's that uncomfortable sensation that's making you feel like you need to breathe. So I guess understanding that and knowing I'm feeling this discomfort, but I'm actually okay, like, and checking in and and doing body scans. And yeah, you're not going to all of a sudden go from 30 seconds to five minutes. It, It doesn't happen like that. It, you know, it takes repetition and practice. How many times a week would you train then? In the pool, generally three times a week. Um, and then I'm gymming as well. So when you're training to be for freediving and, and you're currently training to go to the world championships, when you're doing that training, it's a combination of pool work where you're building 
lung capacity, I guess, but there's also a component of strength and conditioning that you're doing outside of the pool. Would that be right? Right. Yeah. I'm more focused on the dynamic disciplines. So definitely strength is important for the the moving disciplines, but for static apnea where you're still, it's more important to have cardio fitness. And I think our volume of training for that specific discipline is a lot more than if you're focused on dynamic disciplines. You need to you need to not only rest your body and your mind, but your nervous system as well. Very interesting. Given that you were a swimmer growing up, in fact, you share a record with Libby in the Townsville area for 25 metres butterfly, which I think we should acknowledge. I don't know. I don't know if it still stands, but yes. At well, one it's point irrelevant. In time. There was once a point where you equaled her record. Um, <laughs> so you've had this relationship with swimming. You've, you, you obviously love or have something some connection with the water. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, I actually, I just got goosebumps when you said that. I truly believe that some people are land people and some people are water babies. And my granddad taught me to swim before I could walk essentially. And I just feel safe and comfortable there. And like I said to you earlier, I quit swimming around 15 And I didn't get back in the pool and swim a single lap until I turned 30. So I was out of the water for 15 years. But that first session when I got back in, and it it was quite emotional, but it felt like I'd never left. Yes, I got puffed a lot quicker, but, you know, it stays with you. It doesn't leave. And, yeah, the the other thing I love about uh, freediving in particular, but but any sport um, really is – the human body is so incredible what what it can do. And I, I love the opportunity to to see what what I'm capable of in a in a safe environment, obviously. When you quit swimming at fifteen, was that because you felt like there was nothing more that you could get out of it or you'd had enough of it at that time? I'm Libby yeah. and I are really passionate about understanding why kids and teenagers specifically drop out of sport between the ages of 12 and 20. We have this huge drop off in Australia. So when you said that, I was like, oh, why? What what happened? I could talk about this for a really long time, but I was I was just so burnt out. I hated it. I, I was resenting the pool. I, I tried to quit. Or I did quit a couple of years earlier and then, you know, my parents didn't want me to regret it and a different coach approached me and so I kind of came back. But I ne- even though in that second stint when I came back, like I, I went to nationals or whatever, but I, once your heart's not in it, you're not really – reaching your potential. And then when I quit, I completely lost my sense of identity. Like I was a swimmer. That is all I like knew that I was. That is who other people knew me as. And that's how I filled my time when I wasn't at school. So yeah, I was really lost and I gained a lot of weight because I'd never have had to worry about moderating what I ate and just my headspace. Like I was anxious and I was self-conscious and I picked up many bad habits, but two that I'm still working through recovering from alcohol and bulimia. So yeah, I, I struggled really quite severely with bulimia for 12 years until I found freediving. I really had no 
reason to get well. And then when I when I found free diving, I realized that I couldn't keep doing this thing and pushing my body and my nervous system when I'm doing these horrible things to my body outside of the pool. So yeah, free diving's really special in that way as well. When you're free diving and you're connected to the water, is it also for you a form of meditation? Yes, I would say I'm not zoning out when I'm diving. I'm definitely, I'm thinking about things. I have like a a process um, in my mind, but whether I'm nervous and I'm having like hundreds of thoughts about the dive or whether I'm calm and focused, I'm only thinking about the dive and free diving. I'm not thinking about what else is going on in my life, other stresses and things like that. Like the rest of the time, my mind is so busy but in these moments when I'm training and I'm and I'm free diving, I feel like, yeah, I'm resting and it's, it's my happy place. Oh, Geordie, I love that. I think yeah. it's sport can be this real, it, it, yes, you're thinking and you're having to be somewhat technical in whatever you're doing, but it's almost meditative in its movement. Yeah. It's just this routine and this practice that you're following. I know that yeah. people who do yoga a lot would say that, and but I think, like I run a lot and while I might be thinking about what I'm doing with my running, just the process of doing that and focusing on something so singularly for an hour or, or however long it may be is in itself like a form of meditation for me. So I think it's yeah. it's so incredible that you've found the thing that allows you to access that for you and it might not be yeah. the sport you started with but it's it's still connected to your clear love of water to the start yeah exactly and it's it's opened my eyes to like I've started exploring other things that can help not just with my free diving but with my you know general life so breath work stuff and yoga and all sorts of things that I never would have done before and like I don't meditate and I know that I really should but I'm I'm trying to learn to slow down and and listen to like a guided meditation because I know that it's good for me and it'll help me. It's just I have resistance towards it because I'm such a fast-paced person, but yeah, I love that. It just it feels like all these doors and windows to new ideas and experiences have opened. Jordi, you are an incredible person. I love the passion that you've found for your sport. Thank you for being so honest and open with us about your sport, but also what it means to you and how it's helped you. I think that's something we can all really resonate with and and really identify with. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It means a lot. You are going to be going to the world championships this year. How do we help you get there? I guess... um the, the more awareness and support of free diving that we have, like I would love to encourage everyone to try it, take a course and get it get it known. But I guess for me personally, I have a GoFundMe running at the moment. As an Australian freediving athlete, we don't receive any government funding or any monetary sponsorships. So yeah, I have a GoFundMe and I've met my minimum fundraising amount of $4,000, which covers my flights and accommodation, which is awesome. But, you know, there are a lot of other costs involved um, and then lots of other competitions during the year. So, yeah, I'd be super grateful if anyone wanted to show their support 
by making a small donation to the GoFundMe. And you can find that GoFundMe on your website and also on your Instagram page. And we'll put the handle for your Instagram in our show notes. Thank you so much. And yeah, if anybody's interested to watch the World Championships, they will be live streamed on YouTube. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing not only your sporting experience, but what sport means to you in your life. I think so many of us can absolutely identify with what you're talking about, not necessarily because we're free divers, but because there's something about sport that just helps us um, in the rest of our daily lives. So thanks for joining us, Geordie. Thanks, Georgie. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Sports Social. We so enjoy bringing you these episodes and if you have a friend who you think would enjoy these sports chats please share it with them and let them know about us and we absolutely love receiving your feedback and your reviews it totally lights us up if you are enjoying this kind of sports content head over to our instagram page at the sports social podcast otherwise we will chat to you next week bye bye